and and so uh, as we come this morning, we come to the latter part now of Colossians verses one twenty four to twenty nine. Let's bow in prayer. Father, as we come this morning, we think about all the things that's going on in this world. And we just pray, Lord, that you will lead and guide us to be those who are called. You place us purposely in this time, not to hide, not to sleep, but to stand and to fight. And Lord, help us to do it well. And you have given us instructions. You have given the Holy Spirit. You have given us teachers. We have everything we need, Lord, to be successful. Failure is never an option. And we can learn to um, ride in victory through the darkness when we learn how to put first things first. So as we wrap up the first chapter of Colossians. Believe in God, your servant. Thank you for our time together. Help me to clearly articulate the things that's said out of these verses. In Jesus' name we pray. And all the saints said, amen. Okay, then um, Colossians 24, 25, and 26. Now I rejoice in my suffering for you, your sake, and in my flesh. I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's affections, afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that has given me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but there's that conjunction with a function. But now, what did it say? But now, revealed to his saints. Uh, so all the secrets and everything else. <laughs> no, no, it but now, the Lord says, I'm opening it up to you. Okay, let's go on. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Not Christ for you or ahead of you, but he's in you, the hope of glory. How can a person be totally bent out of shape when Christ is in us, the hope of glory? Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom we may, uh, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Three times he kept saying, everyone warning, everyone teaching, everyone presenting. He says, I, I, we're doing this because we have the mystery. We're not looking for a mystery. It's in us. And what it is, is Christ. It's not, not some nebulous thing. It's Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all this energy that he that he powerfully works within me. Uh, these are the verses that we're uh, looking at this morning. 
and um, we'll do a re review and my my thoughts as far as the message is concerned is not how long it is, it's where do you get the point? <laughs> as we can continue our study of Paul's ministry in, the, in Colossae, we will need to observe Paul's purpose-driven approach. This four-part message of First things first reveals four things we need to keep in mind. Message number one, he dealt with developing an atmosphere conducive to receptive and responsive dialogue. His approach, his approach was through praise. And so he started off that first uh, chapter, you notice he started off with praising them. It's, oh, you guys are something else. Praise the Lord for you. You know, you you readily accept somebody like that when they come to your presence. Uh, you have you have a choice. Go into that room where people are grumbling or two people that just love to see you when you walk through the door. I know where you go, you know, because people want the acknowledgement, affection, approval, and attention. You go into that room and not to that room where folks are talking about everything but God. And so that's what he says. The first thing is when it comes down to a purpose-driven life, and first things first, when you even come among the saints, be a source of encouragement. Are, are you an encouragement or discouragement? Are you a, a, a messenger of a whole lot of unnecessary news? Please. Now we'll go to the next one then. Message two. We dealt with the effective way of praying for our brothers and sisters in the Lord. He addressed the need to be specific. First, pray for the individual's spiritual status. And that's what he says. And so I, I pray that you do this, and I'll do this, and you do this. He stopped saying, okay, because you're such a wonderful uh, person, since you really blessed my heart, I need to stop and pray for you right now. Uh, how many saints have stopped and just prayed a, a prayer over you? Um, while you're in their presence. I'll be praying for you. It's, that's that's a, a nice term. The only problem is that they might forget. But when you pray with them, they hear your prayer. It does not be long and drawn out. Matter of fact, I wouldn't suggest doing that. Uh, let's get to the point and bless them in prayer. Message number three. We address the preeminence, uh, preeminence superiority of Christ stressing the importance and necessity of our knowing, understanding, and standing in the truth. Remember what I said back there. We are in a dark age. The gray area has faded. We are in a dark age where, guess what? Even when the, they have prayer, or they have prayer in Congress, and you can pray all, all these other religions, but if you ever mention Jesus Christ, They'll shut you down. Individuals have um, principals at schools have been threatened with their jobs because you know what? They mentioned G uh, Jesus Christ or they had prayer before in a public school. They had prayer before the classes. I remember uh, one of those individuals I went to uh, uh, Carver High School. Well, she's a, she was a principal and um, and Carolyn every morning. Yeah, uh, they had me come with Kilroy, and uh, uh, but I had at one point. But I got there, and the first thing they started off with was, I went over to the loudspeaker, 
we're now having prayer by such and such. This is public school. We're now having prayer by such and such. And that's that's how she stood in darkness. Where Marilyn um, uh, Murphy uh, uh, wanted to get prayer out of school. And here's a, a, a principal putting prayer in school. And so the words that keep resonating in my mind are the supremacy of Christ in all things. I don't care how bad it gets. I don't care how stressed you may become. God will find that Jesus Christ is preeminent. He's in front of everything. He's in complete control. I don't care how dark it gets. The Lord says, the only reason it got that dark is because I permitted it. It was no accident. Joseph will tell you, I was in the darkest place. I knew what God promised me and everything else. My brothers uh, were against me. They threw me in the pit where there was, and the Bible says, and there was no water. I didn't drown. They threw me in the, they threw me in the pit, and I was down in that pit. But guess what? In the pit, God was with me. And when I came out of the pit, then although I was going to be sold, God was there. And when I went to Egypt, God was there. And then I was thrown back in jail, God was there. And he brought me out, God was there. Each time, God is there. God is, you, each one of you have a very important part in God's system. And the, your name might not be uh, with the, uh, the media. Um, they might not recognize you. They just walk, maybe disrespect you. But you know what? God is there. Jehovah Shammah. God is there. And so that's that's what I was stressing about the supremacy of Christ. Whenever you see, and but God, but God, but God. Uh, where sin abound, grief, that's much more abound because of God. So that's what keeps resonating in my thinking. Thinking it through, message four. We're dealing with today. We need to focus on the cost of living for Christ and dying uh, and denying self. I read an interesting comment. The most effective way of using an umbrella is when it's open. Everybody, is that an amen on that one? Everybody agree? You know, uh, you're walking in a thunderstorm and you're trying to keep your umbrella from getting wet. Please. Uh, the, the most effective way is when that umbrella is open. Let's make it personal. The only way our Father is glorified is when we are open to his uh, competent handling of our lives. This requires becoming a living sacrifice, being holy and acceptable in his sight. And that's so important that we uh, keep that in mind. Okay, let's go on. Thinking it through. Let us closely observe Paul and and the uh, inner workings of putting first things first. Two pictures require uh, closer observation. The reality of God's calling, verse 24 to 27. Then the results of God's calling, verses 28 to 29. Try to keep it simple. Uh, I, I still remember my wife saying, uh, it's uh, K-I-S-S, keep it, keep it simple. Um, uh, she would say, keep it uh, a kiss, to keep it simple, sweetie. And that's, that's what my wife would say, keep it simple, sweetie, you know. So here he had to, he had to keep it uh, simple, 
sweetie. All right. As we uh, look at this. Now, let's look at number, number one. Uh, the first one is the reality of God's calling. Verse 24 to 27. It says, now I rejoice. Get this now. I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. The purpose-driven life accepts and abides in the pre in the uh, predetermined and established new normal. When God calls us to live before him, our lives take on a new normal. If any man be in Christ, he's what? A new creation. Old things are passed away and behold, say, look at this, all things become new. It's called a paradigm shift. When the Lord and the rule of the paradigm shift is whenever uh, things go completely dark, then it pops to the opposite of right. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. All things are passed away, paradigm shift. Behold, all things become new. And so when God calls us, don't expect the new things going to be easy things, but it will be the right thing. And that's what we want to keep in mind all the time, that when God calls me or you to anything, it's always the right thing, although it might, be, uh, might not be the easiest thing. The purpose-driven life accepts and abides in the predetermined and established new normal. Let's go on. He counted and accepted the ramification of abiding in the will of God. His reference. Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See the shift? They had a song. Um, I'm used to the King James, and the song has brainwashed me. About the, I am crucified with Christ, yet nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I and I live in the flesh is by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's that's what we march in. That's the first thing first. And he says, I tell you what, he said, I'm going to tell you a few other things that might be rough, but let me tell you. He says, I rejoice in my suffering because I got my thinking right. He said, I rejoice because all of this glorifies God. People are benefited. And then I grow. God, the greatest time that you start growing when things start getting rough. No, I'm not. I'm not talking about uh, when you start making things rough for yourself. Now, there's there's a there's a difference. Okay, amen on that. Okay, uh, we have a congregation. Boy, we have a busy congregation. We really do. And when I think of um, you know, I've watched you over the years, and um, and pretty pretty much know, not think, know where you are. You are a busy congregation. I praise the Lord for your busyness, okay? But I don't want you to be stressed out when you have all of the Godhead working in and through you, the Holy Spirit directing you, angels that assign, an angel assigned to guard you, 
open access to the throne of God to listen to you. And God says, and when you come, don't be crawling to me. Walk in boldly. You're my child. You mean you got all that and you depressed? Come here so I can smack you just a little bit. Just, just a little bit, okay? Because I think it's so important that we kind of keep that in mind. And so, so, so this is what Paul is saying. He's saying what's in his heart. It's, this is flowing out of his heart. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. You got to die to yourself like that. And so, let's give it a reference as we go on. When the first becomes first, four things will take place. Let's read it together. Number one, what will take place? Being crucified with Christ. I thought I'll just break the verse down for you. Okay. What is the second thing? The how. Will this, how will this be lived out? It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And then the next one, what will this new normal look like? Living in the flesh will be my faith in the Son of God. Why is this so important? Because he loved me and gave himself for me. They're broken out there. We just took this kind of dissected. And we, we use the words, the what, the how, the what, the why. And then you just kind of break it out. This is why I do this. Know why you're doing it, not just talking. Know what you know, what you know. Amen. Uh, let's go on. And then um, as we move to the next slide. Okay. He was clear, submissive, and committed to the Lord's calling on his life. Colossians 1.25, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. The Lord's calling was a position designed for service. The Lord's calling was personal. And the Lord's calling was predetermined, uh, was a predetermined plan. When a person do ministry, you don't have to be a pastor, okay? But when you do ministry, there's a calling on your life that is personal. And he wants you to be the best in that area. And that's why God have given many of us in the, in the church, he's given many gifts in the, in the church. And each one is not, not the same, okay? Some have the gift of service. You have to ask them, they just, they just do it. And you can immediately, you know. Then there's uh, some who are, uh, uh, how can I put it? The organizer, okay? And they have the gift of organization. And you tell them something and boom, they, you don't have to repeat it twice. Some have the gift of um, of mercy, and what happens there is they that gift is where they can come alongside a person and they can be with that person through a whole party to sit with that person and minister to them. That's where they are. When in the hospital, you want somebody who uh, don't come in with a big old Bible, getting ready to. You're already tired. The nurses have already stuck you with six needles. And uh, you're halfway breathing, and then this person is going to read you 12 chapters of such and such such. I, I, I'm Listen, I went to one of our members who are no longer with us, Ruth Ann Martin. And um, 
as I went to Ruth Ann Martin, I uh, and she was saying, um, she mentioned about the folks who was coming in and doing their duty. It says that, but one person came in and the person sat down and for one half an hour said nothing. And then she said, well, I suppose the Lord did not want me to say anything specific today. And she left. And Ruth said, that lady ministered to me and all those folks, Bible quoting, you know, uh, and all of these things ministered to, to my heart. Repeat that to me. People are primary. Okay. Forget about the uh, all of the accolades when it comes down to uh, uh, Reverend Doctor, Mister, uh, Angel of the Apostles, and uh, uh, Doctor this and Doctor that. Put all that aside. They have great, just as many problems as you, and people are primary. Always pray for the person, and God will change the situation. But pray for the person. Um. So, and so he. Uh, so the calling was uh, was a position. The Lord's calling was personal. The Lord's calling was predetermined, a predetermined plan. And the plan for Paul was to suffer. And he suffered on behalf of Christ. <laughs> oh, by the way, don't feel sorry for Paul. Those who would live righteous, righteously shall what? Suffer persecution. Now, I didn't sign up for this. Hey, if you're on the other side of Calvary, if and you're no higher than the master, if he suffered, guess what's going to happen? What's going to happen to us? We're going to suffer. See, we're viewing this from a, a, a different angle. Um, I, I think, and let me not judge. I think we're viewing this from a different angle. We are. We're. We go into a home that God has given us, given us a bed that we can lie in, given us food to eat. Okay and all of these other things, and then you have people on the coldest day living in tents. You ask the question, why are you, or why are we not living there? Was there something special about us? And what makes you think we're not going to live there? <laughs> you see, it's because of who you are in Christ, that God says, this is what I want for your life. First thing first, know who God is, know who you are, and then stand there regardless of all that comes your way. And every time you run to a test, the test is not because of the problem, because a lot of time God permits the problems, like Satan on, on Job. Okay. So it's a lot of time, it's not the problem on the outside. It's the progression of the of how you're growing on the inside. I always, at this point, I always ask the question, this happened, why did this happen? And I, I grill myself, why did this happen? If I don't know why it's hap happening, then I say, well, I trusted to the Lord. If I do know what's happening, then what I do at that point is saying, how do I abort this from this point on? And then the Lord makes very clear, in all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. To peace, no, to the next task. God is getting us home to live with him forever. And that is so important, so key for love saints of God.
Well, let's go to the next slide then. The results of God's calling. Verse 28 and 29. Because he says, you know, he had all this suffering. Here, the great revelation. He says, here's the reason why I'm going through all this. To make the word of God known. What did I leave out? Fully. What did I leave out? Not just part. To make God fully known. The mystery uh, hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints. Give me, give me a reference point of 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 8. It says this. Yet among the, uh, the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of, of our glory. <laughs> it didn't say... His glory, he says, the, way, the ages of what? He says, the, the ages of our glory. You see, one of the things that you justify, the bottom line is you glorify. It's the ages of our glory. Once being on the other side of Calvary, God now begins to reveal this to us. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. And so he says, he made all this known to reveal to the saints. And when you say the saints, not, not only to the Jews, but also the Gentiles. And Paul now is talking to the Gentiles, that guys, don't you know you are on God's list before he even created the whole world? So quit what I don't want to hear, what I refuse to, I reject, if anyone's saying, well, I'm doubting your salvation. What are you talking about? That, that means that you have not studied God's word and you do not understand God. Oh, Satan can give the idea, but God says you are, accept God's word and live on that. Let's go on. The revelation of the hidden treasure. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery which is, is Christ in you, the hope of glory. God's determination, God's distinct purpose, God's displayed vision for those who are in Christ are hope and glory. Hope and glory. When you're on the other side of Calvary, you don't have to worry about the condemnation of God. The condemnation means whenever there's condemnation, there is retribution. That means God is saying there is no letting up. And so when you see the wrath of God, it's not that God is emotionally angry. Uh -uh, no, God is saying you're going to reap what you sow. And God is saying when you become a believer, um, then you don't have to worry about this anymore. There is therefore now no condemnation. We don't have to worry about the thumas, the wrath of God. You see? Because the thumas, God's wrath, is one where it's unrelenting and it does not let anyone of us escape from it. No one escapes from the wrath of God. Anyone who escapes the wrath of God will still challenge his holiness. So God is the term 
he is the Mr. Clean. And he goes and he cleans everything that is contrary to his holiness. And that is very critical. Okay. Let's go to the next one. The dynamics of his message. Him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. The who, the apostle proclaimed, this was his mission. The what, the warning teaching that was in was his ministry. The why, the development and mature of believers. This was the plan and manifest manifestation manifestation of his calling. He said, this is the reason why. Says, That's why I have to proclaim. It has nothing to do with how I feel or what I think. I have to proclaim this. Why? Because God had predetermined that he wants these folks and you and you. He wants all of us to grow and come before him, not being ashamed, but victorious. And you can get the only way you can get this and not from the quotes from individuals who do not even know the Lord, but from the word of God that get us to know the Lord. It's so important, so important. Okay. Then let's go on to 29. For this I told struggling with all this energy that he probably works with, within me Two things are immediate, immediately revealed. His reason for this, I tell you. His resource, the awesome energy that was given by Christ. When I uh, think about um, Troy, I, uh, and the struggles that they were going through, I want to read to you something, something that blew me away. I, I just, it was something he said, it was something that he wrote that when I went over about three or four times, it just jumped out at me. Let me show you what jumped out at me, almost grabbed me. Okay, watch this, watch this. Okay, here's his letter. 7,000 miles away, you are my lifeline. Food, rent, communication, fuel, uh, prescription meds, utilities, etc. Most American missionaries have all of their support uh, commitments through partners or organization before they leave the U.S. For us, so the support was from what was our main line. ECR stopped. That was the main line. Uh, when COVID started, it changed everything. As far as uh, sustenance, it was like we have been here deep under uh, breathing through a, a coffee stir. Now, even that is exhausted. Here we are, deep under the water and far away from you. Here we don't have family to move in with when we don't have rent. We don't have social safety nets of the U.S. here. We can't just leave if we wanted to or needed to because we don't have provisions to buy airfare. Here's the thing that jumped out at me. You, you, you hear it so far? Now, notice that this, <laughs> let me read it to you. 
A friend of mine told me when I was describing our situation, he said, it can't be that bad. And I said, what? They said, we're struggling. We're going down. We need help. And his friend said, it can't be that bad. That was not a, and I might want to make sure, that was not a question. See, that was a statement. When, I, when the individuals go through something and they're struggling and someone comes alongside you and say, it can't be that bad. All right, then go out there where these folks are living under tents and everything else, and, and they don't know what their livelihood will be, and they're struggling with the cold and everything else, and come up to them and say, oh, it can't be that bad. But that's why when I read it, and guess what? They were called to struggle like this that they may experience the grace and mercy of God, not through the agency, but through the saints of God. So that we can say, it does not have to be that bad. We got your back. First things first. And first things first, is loving God with all our hearts, all our soul, all our mind. And loving our neighbor as ourselves. But the greatest emphasis is loving the church, the saints. And whenever we forget that. See, the darkness comes when um, they, they were talking about one pastor and I totally agree. He says the church has become darkened. How? They require a choir with plenty of music that will stir them up. And they will say, we had a good service. God was in this place. And they'll tell you, it can't be that bad. Then, not only that, in the church, in the church, the word has been compromised. Seven steps to how to get rich. Doing this and doing that. Uh, Roland sent me a, a link about the homosexual movement. That link would take up a, would take another hour to really unfold it. Here's the bottom line. The bottom line is the reason it's being pushed so hard. It's not by the group on the outside. It's by rich, powerful individuals in the right place on the inside, and they're pushing the agenda. This is not America's thinking. It's a bunch of rich folks. They begin to name rich folks that's making it happen. And so America gets dark, monography and everything else. And Roy was saying, here we are in uh, Zambia, I think it is, Zambia, Zambia. 
And here I am struggling. And in the midst of my struggle, not, not the Zambians, not my next door neighbor, but my friend says to me, it can't be that bad. That's why God needs each one of us. See, we don't understand if, if God is holy and just and he created all things and, and he knows our thoughts are far off and all of these things are, are ascribed to our Lord, then when we see all the good things that we'll be experiencing throughout all eternity, then how powerful and overwhelming will be the wrath of God on those who are outside of his judgment and those who are going to the lake of fire that God had not prepared, he says, Jesus said, he did not prepare for, uh, uh, he, he prepared for the devil and his angels, not for us. And so Paul is saying, I'm striving, I'm breaking my neck. And first things first, I got to tell you, it's all about the Lord. So he goes over theology and he talks about the supremacy of Christ. It's all of this is very important, very important. Well, you've been very patient. Um, I was telling the, the board about some step away points, but let's go further here. One last thing. There are several things that would greatly be benefit us in our life walk in Christ. Let's read them together. Number one, become source of encouragement. Number two, be a source of enlightenment. That's what see. That's what verse one to four, a source of encouragement. Uh, then, uh, uh, then you had uh, uh, fifteen to twenty-three. Uh, it should be enlightenment. Then number uh, number three is be a source of establishing the truth. Establish the truth. Then lastly, be a source of Christ's empowerment. Let Jesus Christ empower you every day to do the right thing. It doesn't have to be big. It's just that it flows, it's in sync with the will of God. Watch your thoughts. Watch your words. Get into the word. Stand on the word. Be available to the Lord's leading. It can't be that bad. Oh, yes, it is. There's a dark world that's getting ready to witness the wrath of God. Oh, it's that as we close in prayer. Um, my challenge to you, if you haven't said it out yet, put it on a sheet of paper. What are the, when you have a number, it could be a list of things. It could be 10 things. But what is, what is the first thing? Let's make the first thing first. And the first thing first is in his law does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Planted. Let's see. So I think that uh, I think that is so important. So important. 
for those who believe. I keep telling you, I want to keep encouraging you, keep on keeping on. To those of you who have not started the race yet, you're the reason that Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary. It was, it's that bad. He came into his own and his own uh, did not receive him. It's that bad. And it's even darker. And if you have not asked Christ into your life, it's by choice. You can do it, but it has to be your choice. A choice to believe that Jesus Christ is God, the Son of God, who came uh, in the flesh, born of a virgin, to believe that he died on the cross of Calvary, crucified for us. Believe that he was buried and then rose again to give the, um, the receipt to God that we are saved and believing in him. Will you believe that? And turn your life completely over to him. Guess what? He will in no wise cast you out. It's that good. <laughs> that good. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the first, first chapter in Colossians. Thank you, Lord, for what he has to say to the Colossians. And to think that through all of this, Paul had to write it out. He didn't have computers and all time typewriters or whatever the case may be. He had to write everything out that we may read it, receive it, and apply it to your glory. Help us, Lord, to be faithful in this area dedicated was in Jesus name we pray and all the saints said amen he wants it all is the last song on the agenda let us sing that out in the silence searching for a heart that will love him longing for a child that will give him their all give it all he wants it all and there's a god that walks over the earth he's searching for a heart that is desperate and longing for a child that will give him their all give it all it all and he says love me love me with your whole heart he wants it all to death